This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. The release of millions of documents containing information of the super wealthy people skirting uh, various tax law around the world has come out and has again drawn attention against those who try and go around that law. And this all centers around a Bermudan law firm which caters to these people. Some of these links, uh, some of these link back to Russian oligarchs, but Apple and other companies find themselves in the midst of the probe being done uh, by elements of the media and not by the government to discuss this and what's going on with these quote-unquote Panama Papers. We are uh, joined on the phone by David K. Johnston, who is a founder of DC Report, and he's author of the book The Making of Donald Trump. William K. Black, also with us, associate professor of economics and law at the University of Missouri at Kansas City, as well as a white-collar criminologist and a former regulator. And also joining us, Jennifer Blowen, who is associate professor of accounting here at the Wharton School. Jennifer, David, uh, Bill, all of you, great to have you with us today. Thank you for your time. Happy to be here. Yeah. Thank you very much. The, la- you. the last time we discussed this type of a case, we had a couple of prime ministers resign. Bill, are we looking at that potential type of uh, instance in this case? I don't think the Queen of England is going to abdicate. <laughs> okay. What, what, about, what about some of the other names that are being bandied about in this? What are, what are, type, what are the types of impact we're talking about here? Well, uh, Wilbur Ross, um, Commerce uh, Secretary, uh, is in potential sig- the m- most uh, trouble uh, because uh, of uh, Russian links identified that are certainly going to mean there are going to be uh, inquiries uh, by the uh, special prosecutor. Um, elsewhere, uh, of course, it could lead to uh, some prosecutions. But mostly at this juncture, it's uh, embarrassment of a whole series of leaders um, from most every party and um, social entrepreneurs like Bono, singers uh, as well, are deeply embarrassed. David? Well, one of the big differences in the Paradise Papers is that there are about 31,000 either Americans or American addresses, whereas in the earlier Panama Papers from a law firm there, Uh, there were very few Americans. And I don't think this is the last leak we're going to see like this. There are several hundred law firms that specialize in this. And, of course, Appleby, the Bermuda firm, which has offices in 10 tax havens around the world, says, hey, we didn't violate any laws. Well, it's true. In Bermuda, it's not a crime to help Americans commit tax fraud. That doesn't mean it's morally acceptable. And I think that we will see more issues raised about uh, this kind of, of tax behavior. And I agree with Bill that Wilbur Ross has serious problems, given his and the Trump administration's insistence that there were no connections of any kind to Russia. Uh, we've known Ross has had deep connections to Russians and Russian money laundering, and now we find out there's even more. Well, Jennifer, what what are we looking at here? As Bill kind of alluded to, we could see some prosecutions. What are we looking at with some of these people who are U.S. residents? What is the impact on them right now? Well, as I think we've talked about before, I mean, the key issue with having these offshore accounts is one is secrecy and, and one is the notion that there's tax planning or avoidance or evasion. And I guess what it comes down to is, you know, Mr. Ross is, should be deeply embarrassed and there will be some probes there. But 
in terms of you know how many proverbial heads is going are going to roll i think depends on whether these individuals were reporting this information appropriately on their tax returns right you are mm-hmm. perfectly able to keep assets offshore as long as you're reporting them to the internal revenue service there we have fbar reporting and a whole host of uh regulations that came up to sort of combat this type of secrecy well, and I guess the other part to it, Jennifer, are the corporate side of this, because companies like Apple and Twitter uh, are being, and Facebook as well, are being included in some of this, not necessarily always with the tax issues, but people that are potential investors in these companies, and some of them uh, potentially could be coming from Russia as well. Well, there's, but, but it's not illegal to, to have foreign ownership, even right. if it's from an unsavory organization in, right. in your public company, right? So that's that's something that I don't think will have any sort of ramifications to our big multinational companies. I think it's just they're getting, you know, sort of dragged through the press a little bit again on the fact that they are tax planning and we can decide whether or not what they're doing is, is, is palatable, but it's perfectly legal. And, you know, I think Appleby is, is, is kind of a blue chip, you know, or at least perceived to be law firm. And I don't think anything that's been uncovered should be terribly unsurprising from the perspective of, of our multinationals is just highlighting the tax planning that they've been doing yet again. Well, and, and it appears, David, that in looking at some of the statistics that were in a, a New York Times column about this, uh, that uh, in terms of the lost revenue, uh, they broke it down by uh, by region of the of the world. The United States obviously is, is losing a good bit, but Europe seemingly is losing two to three times more than the United States is. David? Um uh, yes, the Europeans are being hit more in this particular case, but I think there's a deeper issue here. For a tax system to have any moral authority, it has to be a system that is both progressive, that is a 2,500-year-old idea that the greater your benefit from society, the greater your contribution to help that society endure, and that it has to treat people equally. And what the Appleby firm doing is beyond the pale. It is it, it is legal, but that does not mean it is at all moral. And to think that legal systems can survive uh, the utter immorality that we are seeing here without in the long run destabilizing governments and upsetting the social order is foolish. Uh, this is serious stuff. This goes to the very heart of democracy, to the idea of self-governance, And it should lead uh, sooner or later to fundamental reforms that stop this kind of uh, behavior. Uh, And while it is technically legal for Apple, for example, to do what it is doing, that means that the American Congress has failed to do its job of creating a viable, reasonable fair tax system. So, Bill, then, I mean, with all of what is going on right now with this potential GOP tax plan uh, on Capitol Hill, uh, what impact could that have or would that have, whether it be a decent amount or nothing at all, towards dealing with this problem of of corporations and or people keeping this money offshore? So, in one way, it could be an argument for not Trump proposals, which are not reforms, uh, but for um, even elimination of the corporate income tax, because the economics are horrific. Uh, In addition to the assault on democracy that David Kay has just described, uh, you create a Gresham's dynamic. 
uh, when you do this. And aggression's dynamic is when bad ethics drives good ethics out of the marketplace because you gain a competitive advantage uh, by scamming the system. And that is what they're doing. Whether or not it's lawful, they are scamming the system in a way that if you don't do it, um, well, you have people in the press saying, I have a fiduciary duty to scam uh, in these uh, circumstances. Well, then you're going to get a, a system that uh, fundamentally misallocates uh, assets and uh, harms the most uh, ethical parts uh, of uh, enterprise. Uh, the other thing is this is going to be enormously embarrassing mm -hmm. so that huge numbers of proponents, for example, of the tax deal um, will be shown to be folks who would gain uh, enormously from it. And this is just another way to embarrass them. For example, and it it's, goes well beyond for-profit corporations, the universities look terrible. Uh, yeah. Oxbridge, you know, Oxford and Cambridge. Uh, are massive players, and it turns out that they're massive players where they are using the funding is going largely to hydrocarbon uh, investments. Uh, that's true uh, of uh, apparently 150 U.S. universities uh, are on this, including University of Pennsylvania, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it, this was deliberately used not just for tax avoidance, but for secrecy purposes, because uh, universities knew that their students and many of their alums would be furious if they discovered these facts. So there's going to be hell to pay in lots of different spheres. Jennifer? Well, I, I guess I'm probably the uh, dissenting opinion here, but I, I think that there is this notion of you know, some of these structures in a global investment, I mean, I guess if you make the argument that you only want your universities to invest in domestic investments, then, yes, I think that there will be a lot of public outcry with regard to what they've invested in. However, to the extent that they are essentially investing their proceeds to gain you know, revenue that it's reinvested in their endowment and goes back ultimately to their students or further their academic purpose. I think that's a, you know, that's what they're supposed to do. I mean, and I can speak specifically to the University of Pennsylvania, right? Tuition only covers, is only 30% of our revenue. A, a big chunk of it comes from other places, one of it being, being our endowment. And so there's, there's that. And the, and I think the, a lot of the, you, know, you read the articles is that they're doing some very unsavory investments. And I think it's sort of, no, what they're doing is they're combining their money and investing it with hedge funds or private equity who have these offshore structures because they're attracting global income or global investment. And that's required of them. The other thing it's important to point out is, you know, there's no tax evasion per se by the, by the universities because they're tax exempt. So that's point one. Um, with regard to uh, the, the multinationals themselves, I absolutely agree that there are some problems in our system that need to be fixed. And this is what Europe has been grappling with the OECD and their base erosion and profit shifting activity to try to, you know, prevent the proverbial race to the bottom, to try and sort of fix the system where taxes are being paid, where economic, where earnings are being generated, where sales are, where people are. And we are trying to fix that, you know, with I think the, even the, the current House bill has provisions setting a minimum tax and things along that line to prevent tax avoidance. 
But the fact is, is that what was dis disclosed in these set of papers are legal entities, um, whether it undermines, you know, and it, it, whether it's moral, whether, you know, whether you like my tax planning or, or your tax planning. I mean, the fact is, is everybody tax plans, even something doing as simple as putting money in your retirement plan is tax savings. Yeah. So if you look at Apple and say, well, listen, two-thirds of their in income is going on overseas, that's where their income is at, that's where they should maybe pay taxes. That's, a, I think, a separate issue. Now, I'm not to say they're not doing some really aggressive planning, but I think we're trying to create rules both in the U.S. as well as overseas to say, no, that you really should be paying taxes where you're doing business. And I don't think it's a shortfall necessarily of the U.S. government. It's a, how, how do you tax a global enterprise when our systems just don't haven't kept up with the concept of intangible assets and really how income is generated now for these types of entities? Well, how do you go about doing that, Jennifer? And I, I say that uh, inquisitively enough because of the fact that where we are here in the United States, obviously a, a good bit has been made of the fact that the U.S. corporate tax rate is 35 percent on the books. But a lot of companies aren't paying even close to that at this point. That's right. But because, you know, you look at a company such like uh, such as Apple or the intellectual, you know, the companies that have a lots of intellectual property, what they have now is the systems in Ireland, let's just put Ireland out there, is very complicit at this, yep. Yep. has said, let's charge a low rate. Because if we charge a low rate, and over time it's been between 10 and 15 percent, what we will do is we will attract U.S. multinationals, you know, sort of European activity, and we will hire people and place those assets and that intellectual property here, and we will then tax that portion of their income in Ireland at a 10% rate. So then when you look at a set of financial statements, if half your business is in a 10% jurisdiction and the other half is in 35, well, then by definition, the tax rate that you see on those financial statements that's put out to the public is low relative to the U.S. statutory rate. And I think that's kind of I think that's an important issue to point out is it's, it, it couldn't be, they could not even be beginning to think of, of doing what Apple's doing and getting down to zero, right. but still they will have a rate that looks very low. Is that appropriate? Yeah. If they're really generating business and really have people in sales in Ireland, then I think it is. Well, it, it seemingly, David, is to a degree a race to the bottom. And by bottom, I mean, whoever can get the lowest tax rate is going to get the, 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 you know, the winning business in this situation. Well, yes and no. I mean, first of all, let's deal with the issue of tax evasion by the by the endowments. Uh, you are allowed as a nonprofit to earn tax-free profits from investing so long as you do not use leverage, that is, you don't borrow money. By going offshore to the hedge funds, the corporations, the nonprofit corporations like university endowments are getting around that rule, and it is, I believe, improper, and Congress should put a stop to that. You, we want to have robust endowments, but we don't want to have them using leverage unless Congress wants to directly change that rule. As to corporations, I have shown, and no one has disputed anywhere, and I have written about this at great length, that if we had a look at the internal records of these companies, we would see that, that many of them, including Apple, literally turn a profit off the income tax system by deferring their taxes and siphoning profits out of the U.S. to offshore pockets. They obtain zero interest loans from the government equal to the unpaid taxes. You invest that money over time, and with compounding, eventually you turn a profit. We should not have a tax system that turns the burden of government into a profit center. And remember that Enron literally started...
stamped its documents profit center from the tax department. Hmm. Uh, this is a fundamental problem that Congress is not addressing but making worse with the current proposed legislation. And we can solve these problems if we bring our accounting rules and our tax law up to date with how the modern world works. There is no excuse for the failure of Congress to properly address these issues and be fair to everyone. Do you think it's fair, David, to, to say that we can expect Congress to do that, especially with all the dysfunction that we see there to begin with and all of the obvious lobbying efforts that are there to try and influence this type of stuff? You know, it's our government. We create and elect our officials. And if we are electing officials who are creating an immoral, unfair system that taxes ordinary Americans and, in effect, forces them to subsidize companies like Apple through this deferral system, we have chosen to do that. I think those are terrible choices, but the yep. problem is the pe most people do not know this. They do not understand how the accounting rules have failed to be properly imposed, how we don't have proper disclosure from the companies so that we don't understand how they see it. And, you know, w people need to, to be aware of this, but, you know, we have to live with the Congress we have. That's the system. I have Jennifer and Bill uh, both respond to that. Bill first. Go ahead. So first, let me take on this idea that uh, if you have an IRA, you're, re you know, you're really just like uh, these multinational corporations. No. Uh, this is the third major disclosure. It's not just the Panama Papers. It was the papers about Luxembourg. And yeah. Luxembourg, you ask why Europe is so yeah. much worse, because Luxembourg was, let's make a deal. Right. You go to one of the big four audit firms, they get you a private meeting with the, the Ministry of Finance, the head of it. He lowers your taxes to 2%, and it's all great, right? And uh, Ireland did similar deals for Apple. Uh, this might be legal because there is no rule of law in Luxembourg. There is no rule of law in where I am now in Ireland yep. when it comes to taxes when they make these secret deals. It has to be stopped or it will produce this Gresham's dynamic. And it, you are going to have simultaneous disasters in terms of ethics and government and politics. And that's what you're seeing in the system. You just cannot allow this to go on and say, well, but it's not a crime, so we don't act. Jennifer? Well, I do think it's no different taking advantage of your retirement savings. Your option to do that is no different than U.S. multinationals deferring the U.S. tax that they would owe on their foreign source income, which I think it was David's point about no, how they end up sort of subsidizing, right, sort of this ends up being a positive MPV project because the deferral of all the U.S. tax, right? So that's part of the rules that that's the system we have in place right now is, yes, in, and it's not just U.S. multinationals, all multinationals are tax planning. And as you, I agree, Luxembourg had the secret handshake. You knew the guy, right? And you negotiated the deal, which is in complete violation with European law, right? That's essentially what the, the illegal state aid cases are about, is you can give somebody a favorable tax set of rules as long as it goes to everybody. You can't have a separate one-off deal. And in fact, Apple and, you know, and, and Ireland are fighting back about, hey, listen, they just did it better than everybody else. But if you'd come to us with the same, our rules are in place to sort of give 
similar craziness to, to, to all companies that ask for it. Mm-hmm. Move that. I mean, and I, I think that is a key issue that needs to be addressed, and we're watching Europe, you know, attack these jurisdictions for giving these very favorable rulings. Now, back to the U.S. multinationals, the fact that we have a system right now that says we want to tax multinational companies on their global income, regardless of where it's earned, that's the current system. Is it working? I'm not sure that it is, A, because we have deferrals of these massive amounts of earnings that we've seen, what, $250 billion in Apple's case? Um, that, and I could start rolling down the numbers, of big numbers, upwards to, I think, of $3 trillion is what we're talking about. And there's this notion that that belongs in U.S. coffers. Well, under current legislation, if those companies were to move that money home, yes, the U.S. gets a cut of it. Yep. But we're the only system right now that has this worldwide set of rules. The U.K. and Japan have all moved away from this, most, more, most I think, uh, in 2009. And we're the outliers. So that the current tax legislation that we have would say, no, we're not going to tax the income that's generated offshore anymore. We're going to be source-based taxation, which the U.S. companies have to pay taxes domestically. Now what we need, and I agree with the other um, participants here, is we need to have some rules that really grapple with how should we tax the intellectual property Mm -hmm. that's generated here in the United States. Right. That's the income shifting and earnings stripping type activity where we're artificially shifting profits offshore absolutely needs to be addressed because that you and I, the average American, we don't have opportunities to do this. And so that becomes, you know, this is sort of the degradation of the system in terms of fairness and equity. But I think we're talking about companies versus individuals and really attacking that which is legally able to do. And I think we need to change the laws. Hopefully, we're heading the right direction with the with the recent bill. David, I'll have you respond to that in just a second. Just one little note from a, a New York Times article speaking, uh, Jennifer, off of what you're saying. The top 20 S&P 500 companies, they're said to have about $1.5 trillion offshore. You mentioned Apple, Apple at the top of that list. Uh, and it's just, uh, it, it is an amazing sum of money. David, go ahead. Well, um I I happen to be of the school that we need to eliminate the corporate income tax. You can't just eliminate it or you will see every corporation behave like Apple. They will simply stuff the corporate mattress as a way for the executives to have an insulator. But there are rules. We had rules in this country prior to 1986 which addressed these issues. And there's no question that we need fundamental reform. Uh, But I also think we need vastly better accounting disclosure. When companies on the inside see something very different than they tell shareholders or they tell the government, it means that we need more fundamental reform of our rules and much better disclosures of what's going on with corporate taxes. 844-WHARTON is the number to give us a call, 844-942-7866. We're talking with uh, Bill Black of the University of Missouri-Kansas City, David K. Johnson, who's the founder of DC Report, Jennifer Blowen, who is an associate professor of accounting here at the Wharton School. Your comments, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Bill, is there a solution in your mind out there? to be able to put this together and, and, and do it in a fashion where these corporations are pay, uh, paying the tax that they need to be paying? 
Well, like David Kay, I am uh, inherently skeptical of the corporate uh, income tax, and I also agree with them in terms of evasion. Uh, David Kay is too modest uh, to uh, note his people surprise in tax reporting and the fact that he's actually working on a uh, simplified uh, code to, uh, to deal with this problem. But let me mention another problem with this corporate income tax that all of us know about, um, but uh, the listeners need to, and that's transfer pricing. It's all well to say uh, income they earned in Ireland, but in fact, they didn't earn the income in Ireland. And we're not just talking about intellectual property. We're talking about the games that are the massive games that are played in terms of prices for sales within the Apple corporate uh, sphere. And the game, of course, is to make it appear that the income was earned uh, in disproportionately in Ireland. Uh, but you can see from the number of Apple employees, it ain't so over right. here in Ireland. Um, it is a massive accounting scam. Jennifer, any anything else you'd like to add? We're coming towards the end here. No, no, and I think I, I have to actually agree. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure I see the accounting scam here as an accountant, right, because the financial reporting is a little bit different than the tax reporting. But I think it's important to point out that we do agree, like, the OECD is doing something or push something called country-by-country country reporting, where there's this big push to sort of say, hey, listen, to avoid this transfer pricing problem, we want companies, multinational companies, to disclose their global activity by where their people are and their sales are, things that represent real economic activity as opposed to the artificial transfer pricing, tax-related transfer pricing. David? Well, um, I certainly hope that we have a serious discussion about taxes, not the nonsense that's going on right now in Congress. And at DC Report, one of the things you can see is I've been doing analysis of this bill. And if you want to live in 18th century France, where all the money is locked up by inheritance, you really like the bill in <laughs> Congress now, which doesn't yeah. address the real serious and solvable problems we have. Great having you all with us today. Thank you, Bill, David, Jennifer, all the best. We will I'm no doubt talk to you about this again. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jennifer Bluen uh, of the Wharton School, David K. Johnson, founder of D.C. Report and author of the book The Making of Donald Trump, and William K. Black, associate professor of economics and law at the University of Missouri at Kansas City. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.